News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 90 of the Luke Messiah Show. Let's try this again. I literally cut an entire intro and then realized that I didn't click record on my video. Okay, and that's what happens when I don't have all my support staff here. And so anyways, this is what happens when I do it myself. So we are giving it a second run. Here's the deal, guys. Today, I'm going to show you a conversation between John Harris and myself. John Harris runs a podcast and YouTube channel called Worldview Conversations. His conversations actually are ones, many of which I have um, followed and listened and watched. Uh, So it's a small world, but a lot of them circle around the church, the battle going on within the church today. And so we had a very relevant conversation regarding a poll that I released on Friday in conjunction with Texas Scorecard. And uh, I have been very fascinated with the situation within the church, a lot of questions going on uh, within the church about politics, the election, and the future of our nation. And so I wanted to poll church-attending Christians and Texas voters and figure out who they're voting for and then also ask them some questions theologically and regarding their political positions. And what we're going to talk about today with John Harris, you're going to go to that conversation, is going to be um, an interview where we dissect some of this data. And you're going to find out, if you are a Biden voter who is in church, what are the theological views you are likely to hold and what are the political positions you're likely to hold? And the same for Trump voters within church. What type of theological positions do they hold and what type of political positions do they hold? And we ask basic questions like, is the scripture without error? Okay, And if you're not a Christian, uh, you probably think the Bible has a lot of errors. But if you are a Christian, you're holding fast to the truth in the Scripture that it is the Word of God, and it is without error. We ask a simple question like, if someone rejects saving faith in Jesus Christ, are they in danger of eternity in hell? And that is a sad reality that we know exists with a perfect and holy and righteous God. This is a very basic question question. This is actually the necessity of the gospel. This is the reason Christ came. This is the reason he laid down his life. So uh, all that being said, we're going to dive into how people answer that question. And why are we talking about that today? Because today is election day. You're watching this. I recorded this Monday night, but the truth is we're releasing this on Tuesday. And I thought about what I'm going to talk about on election day. And instead of bringing you a conversation where we talk about the future of the nation and what's on the ballot and all that information, I'm going to talk to you instead about some issues regarding the church, because I personally, as a Christian, am very concerned about the direction of the church, and I'm very concerned about um, the theological beliefs that many Texans are holding, Texans who are attending church on a regular basis. I also think when it comes down to the dust settling tonight, tomorrow, the next day, hopefully I am hoping and praying that we have some type of definitive result within the next several days for the future of our country. Um, We're going to be okay, regardless of the result. I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I mean, conservatives have lost a lot more elections than we've won. Okay, conservatives here in Texas have lost more elections than we've won. Even some of the ones we won, those people later turned out to not be conservative and are still in office today. So the truth is, 
we are somewhat used to not being on the winning side. 2016 for uh, me, not maybe some of you because you knew what was going to happen, but for me was a surprise, a pleasant surprise that Hillary Clinton was not going to be our president for the next four years. And I'm hoping to be somewhat surprised on election night. And you can all hate on me for not believing that Donald Trump's going to run away with this election. And if he does, I will gladly get on this podcast next week and tell you that I was wrong and I really don't predict elections very well. But here's what I know. The future of Texas is going to be fine, but it's going to be a battle. It's going to be something you fight for. If Democrats take control of the Texas House of Representatives, we are going to have to fight for any type of policy outcomes that are good for Texas. If Republicans control the legislature, we're still going to have to fight because Republicans have been shown for the last decade they don't want to pass conservative policy in the Texas legislature. So guess what? If you're conservative, just know the nice thing for us is we're going to have to fight to advance our priorities regardless of what happens on election night. If you are somebody who attends church, then first and foremost, I hope you actually know who the Lord is and why he sent his son and why his son is your path to a relationship with him. That's what I hope you know. And I hope you are not somebody who is attending church on a regular basis, but is not, your eyes have not been opened to that truth because that truth is life transforming, period, pure, simple. What our poll reveals is that people, there are people who are voting for Joe Biden and Donald Trump who don't know the Lord, who attend church on a regular basis. Probably shouldn't surprise many of you. But I do think you're going to find this conversation with John Harris fascinating, where we dig into knowing what the breakdown is of the theological and political holdings and beliefs of people who are voting for Trump or of people who are voting for Biden and are in church pews on a weekly basis. Uh, I think it's important stuff for us to know. I would love for this type of research to be done on an annual basis, and I would love for pastors and Christians all across Texas to be discerning the type of people in your church. Because we often think of everybody who's outside of the church walls as the people in need of saving and helping. And that is true, but there are many people even within the walls that need saving and helping. You know, it says that if you confess with your heart and believe in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, well, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And that is true. It does not say if you enter a building with four walls and a cross at the back of it, you shall be saved. And that's something we dig into. You're going to like this conversation. For those of you who are Christians, you're really going to like it. For those of you who aren't, uh, there's still a ton of Christians in Texas. So you should still find this data very fascinating. Honestly, I don't think you will find this data anywhere else. I looked for it all over the place and couldn't find it. So I teamed up with Texas Scorecard and Nate Fisher, and we did the research project ourselves. And I'm really happy with the finished product. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jonathan Harris and myself. God bless you. And uh, I hope and pray that next time I'm coming to you, I'm coming to you talking to you about the re-election of our president. Thanks, guys. Welcome, Luke Macias. It is good to have you. Uh, Luke is a political consultant and a Bible-believing Christian. And Luke, you are going to talk to us today a little bit about polls and a poll that you just were part of or you helped uh, kind of you, you were someone who helped a firm figure out Yep. Um, how to answer a question that is important to all of us as believers. So um, I want to just get down to uh, the nitty gritty with you here. What do you think, first of all, about the national polls? Uh, they're tightening up this week. 
a week ago, it looked like Trump had no chance. All of a sudden, Trump has a chance. What's going on there? No, that's a great question, uh, John. And, and I, you know, grateful that you you had me on here. You and I talked about how I've uh, followed your show uh, for a little bit of time and and enjoy the work that you've been doing. Um, you know, as far as the poll, polls go in general, yeah, they are tightening up a little bit. But if you were to ask the conglomerate of pollsters what they think, they would definitely tell you that they think that it's most likely that Joe Biden will win the presidency uh, tomorrow. I think it's going to largely come down to North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Those are just probably the two most important states. And so we shall see, uh, and everybody's used to pollsters being wrong from four years ago. So I'm sure everybody is uh, having a little PTSD going into uh, election day with polls showing all favoring one candidate uh, in general. Uh, we really wanted to ask a different question, right? We coming into this election, I think all of us have seen the last several weeks, um, evangelical leaders, people who have been strong theologians and Christians talking differently about politics, in my opinion, than they have in the past. And so that kind of caused the question to be asked of what are the differences within the church when it comes to our political views and our theo theological views and how those line up? Yeah. And, that, and that's what I want to talk to you about, because I remember a couple of years ago when I was at seminary, I thought, man, if we keep preaching the social justice rhetoric, mm. this is going to have an effect mm. on the electorate. And mm. have you seen evidence that evangelicals or so-called evangelicals, according to polling data, are they starting to go left? It's a good question. So I want to break down for your listeners very quickly and easily the difference uh, of our poll in comparison to most political polls that were done today. So in most polling, you are an evangelical if you say you're an evangelical. Okay, that's basically how you identify yourself. And so you've seen Pew Research and other entities basically do polling over the last several years that have shown that, first of all, Christians identify um, at a lower and lower percentage rate, right? In 2009, it was like 77% of America identified themselves as a Christian. And today it's probably a little over 60%. And then if you break that down to Protestants, Protestants used to be a majority of America, even in 2009 they were, and now they're in the 40s, low 40s. And so we're seeing a decline in general uh, identification. But here's the truth, right? I think we would all know that if 40% of America says, I am a Protestant Christian, that doesn't necessarily make you a Protestant Christian, right? I mean, nothing right. in the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and tell a pollster in America, you know, that you're an evangelical, then you shall be saved. It's actually, sure. is Jesus Christ Lord, right? So that's really the difference. What we went in with, and then uh, pollsters primarily then divide churchgoers, Christians into two camps, those who go to church and those who don't. So, uh, and then we evaluate these groups differently. So what we did was we conducted a poll. We did it just in Texas. We had an opportunity to decide what region. And because I'm in Texas and a couple of the people paying for this were in Texas, we decided to just do it in Texas. And then we decided to limit it to, um, we decided to limit it to uh, all Christians who were attending church actively. So essentially what that did was, uh, you know, it, it was about, 20, I've got to remember the cross tabs, but essentially we've got the, the largest chunk are Baptist and non-denominational Christians. So I think those kind of fit in the evangelical realm. There's about 25% Catholic in here. And then you also have your kind of confessional denominations, Protestants, Lutherans, Methodists. Those three churches make up about 12% of the sample. So it's a sampling of Christians who attend church. If you tell us you don't attend church, you don't get polled in this poll. Okay. 
So tell us a little bit about your poll that you helped, uh, you, were, you were kind of behind and you conducted or the, you had a, a polling firm conduct. Yep. What, what does it tell us about um, evangelical Christians as best as we can figure out and their, their views on politics? Yeah, so we basically went through and, and said, do you attend church? And they said yes or no. And then we went through and asked them several theological questions. One was, do you believe the Bible is without error? right? Very basic orthodox belief of the church. And then the second one was, do you believe people who reject salvation through Jesus Christ are in danger of hell? Yes or no. Um, and then we said, do you believe actively practicing gay and lesbian church members should be allowed to share in leadership roles in your church? Yes or no. And then we asked them several political questions about border security, about abortion, um, and about health insurance. And then we said, who are you going to vote for? Right? And so then we go back and compare Trump voters versus Biden voters in the pews, right? So we found a couple things. First and foremost, um, I, I want to point this out before. Uh, it's important to recognize that at least from the data, it, we would probably have to determine based on orthodox beliefs of these people, what they're saying they believe, that there are some people who be, hold orthodox beliefs that are voting for Joe Biden, and there are quite a few that are voting for Donald Trump, right? And of course, it probably doesn't surprise a ton of people that more people who hold orthodox views with the church are voting for Donald Trump. So of those who people, of those people in church that said I'm a Trump voter, um, 81% said they believed the scripture was without error. 13% they said said they thought it had errors, and then six percent said they didn't know. But then when you went to people who are Joe Biden voters you found that 45% said that the Bible didn't have error, 39% said it did have error, and 19% said they didn't know. And again, that's kind of a fundamental question. It's pretty important. The next one we asked was a real basic one. Do you believe people who reject salvation through Jesus Christ are in danger of eternity in hell? And again, I mean, that's basically John 3, 16, right? This is, it doesn't take a, an MDiv or seminary to teach you the right answer to this question. But 78% of Donald Trump voters in church pews said yes. Rejection of Jesus Christ potentially sends you to hell. 14% said no, they don't think that. 8% said, I don't know. When it came to people in the pews voting for Joe Biden, 41% said yes, you can go to hell. 36% said you can't go to hell, and 23% said they don't even know. So the larger conclusion, which is something that I believe, is that people in church who are standing in the pews who are also planning on voting for Joe Biden, a majority of them are either rejecting fundamental orthodox teaching or questioning it. And there's correlation and causation when you talk about polling, right? And we're not really talking about causation here, as much as we're saying that it should be an indicator. And for those of us in the church, if we're concerned about people's eternal salvation, which is the most important thing when it comes to the body of Christ, then we should have discernment when looking at people's political views and recognizing how they change or how they are an indicator to their theological views. Okay, that's interesting to me, um, and uh, this is something I would have suspected anyway, that those yep. who hold more conservative political beliefs, or I should put it this way, those who hold more conservative theological beliefs are going mm -hmm. to have more conservative political beliefs. Yes. Why is yes. that? Why? And then this is a chance for you to just give your personal opinion on this. Yeah, no, it is, it's a really good question um, on, on why it would be the case. I think 
the truth is that you cannot separate many of the intrinsic truths that we hold when it comes to our biblical understanding and how those line up with politics. So uh, David Platt recently wrote a book called Before You Vote. I don't know if you've read it, but I bought it and read it. And I was concerned with the conclusions that it came to because it it largely taught kind of a Tim Keller uh, pitch, which was, I'm going to give you a bunch of ideas, but here's the good news. Vote Republican, vote Democrat, vote independent, third party, don't vote. We all have a conscience. And under Christ we can come back next Sunday and we'll all be united. Now, I think we all want unity in the church. And I know you've talked about that a lot, about yeah. desiring unity within the church and within these different denominations. Um, here's the interesting thing, though. In Platt's book, he goes into several fundamental truths that we do know in Scripture. So I'll give him credit here. He says that abortion is the taking of innocent life. And that is a truth that is taught in Scripture, black and white. He then says that gender is binary. It's designed by God. That's what he says, right? This is, a, this is designed by God and it's for his glory. And then he says that marriage is a union between a man and a woman, okay? Now, then he says all, talks about all these other issues, healthcare, immigration, and says there are these secondary issues, but they also matter. And so we can't know how a Christian weighs all their decision-making through this. Well, I think people would have to admit that today it is much harder to be a fully pro-life Democrat than it was 10 years ago right? So it would make sense that those in the pews that are still voting for a president, presidential candidate who has reversed his position on taxpayer-funded abortions and said, I want to pay for those abortions, who has reversed his position on there being two genders and said just recently in a town hall that we need to help transition eight and 10-year-olds to the opposite gender. It would make sense that people who are tending to believe in that presidential candidate are more than likely, well, first of all, we know, obviously, even according to David Platt, those people are not aligning themselves with three very basic truths we know in scripture. So then guess what? They're also either denying or questioning other basic truths in scripture, right? Which is, is the Bible without error or can you go to hell? Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I have read the book. I did do a whole review, probably oh, good. about an hour review. I'll have, on, I'll on have to go back and watch it because I well, really you, enjoy that. Yeah, well, my, basically it comes down to, in my opinion, and this is the logic that not just David Platt, but Tim Keller, um, I think even John Piper to some extent are offering us is that, uh, you know, pro-life is one issue. Mm -hmm. uh, we can take, and that's usually the one they focus on, but yes. we can take conservative issues that are important to Christians and then um, just kind of segment those off, marginalize them, put them in a box and say, okay, that's just one of, let's say, 10 issues that should matter to us. And somehow we have a moral equivalency between that and let's say access to healthcare, free healthcare, socialist mm -hmm. healthcare, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it, it, it seems to me that we, uh, that, that they are perfectly willing to apply biblical principles in one area, but then they're mm -hmm. unable to see the connection between thou shall not steal on private property and what socialist medicine would be. And so they, they will, say that that's an issue of loving your neighbor and they, they kind of smuggle in socialist ideas under the veneer of these Christian um, principles. And, so, uh, go ahead. So we asked, uh, you know, church tenders about their different political perspectives, right? It was interesting because, you know, there are people who are voting for Joe Biden, which was a little higher than I would have suspected, to be honest, but there is a percentage of people that are voting for Joe Biden that believe in border security. In fact, I think 38% of his voters said that they believed that the United States should enforce strict border security to keep people from illegally entering the country. 
Now, so is this ignorance? Is that, is that what this is? Some of it? Well, again, the way we ask the question, right? We don't say, do you think there should be a wall? We don't say, do you think that, you know, we shouldn't give uh, out more, let more people enter legally, right? So often what the battle is between some people in the church, I think, is about how many refugees we let in or not. Does that make sense? So we, we could have asked the question differently, but we really wanted to just go, do you think we should have a border? That's really what that question is, right? Do yeah, you think that's we have a border? And 38% of Biden voters said, yes, we should. 41% said, no. And 21% said, I'm not sure. And the interesting thing is those that answer very closely lines up with the theological answers, right, from a percentage breakdown. Now, here's where it gets really different, okay? One is on abortion for Trump. Only 2% of Trump's voters who are in pews think that abortion should be legal. That is staggeringly small. I would have thought it was going to be a little bigger. Now, I will tell you about 30% believe that there should be rape and incest exceptions. And that's a whole, you know, we don't need to have a whole abortion yeah. apologetic here, um, but that's inconsistent when it comes to, you know, the, the value of human life. But only 2% said, yeah, it should just be legal and safe. 45% of Biden's church attending voters said it should be legal and safe. But where we also saw a huge gap was in healthcare. And I would have thought that immigration and healthcare were going to be much more similar, but they're not evidently. And I think that's something for us to recognize. So we said, do you believe that we should have a universal healthcare system that ensures all Americans have health insurance? And this is universal healthcare, right? Do you believe in universal healthcare? This is a position that is to the left of Joe Biden himself. He hasn't even said he believes in universal health care. Kamala Harris has, but not Joe Biden. Right. Only 4% of Biden's voters who are in church pews says they oppose universal health care. 41%. 91%. It was probably the largest, uh, it was the biggest issue which people were most in agreement on regarding Biden voters is universal health care. Okay, so this is fascinating. And I didn't know that um, when I brought up this kind of dichotomy because yeah. I've heard this comparison. Okay, abortion, health care. Yes. Uh, yeah, these, these are kind of on the same level. This is the and campaign. This is the pro-lifers for Biden, mm-hmm. you know. But that's that's a real thing. Like one side yeah. really does value yeah. free health care and one side really does value pro-life uh, values. Yeah. It is interesting, right? And it isn't to say, look, there are a handful of, you know, this is the funny thing when you actually get digging into all of the data, right? So I will tell you this, you know, 14% of Trump's voters said there should be universal health care, which shows that there are some people in the church who still, according to church teaching, and I've been to churches before where they start talking about, you know, why we don't insure everybody, right? And the pastor starts talking about that issue. And you can see that there are people in church pews that are probably pro-life, that believe scriptures without error, that think they're going, that people are going to hell, but think universal health care is okay because of their either what they've received in the church or what they've received in the rest of the world. There's a, still a small segment, but it's, it's, the contrast is huge, you know, uh, yeah. and it's something to recognize. So it is a pretty distinction big distinction. The, the other thing I was going to talk to you about, because you have talked a lot about the, not only social justice issue, but specifically the issue of critical race theory, right? And that's something that I think you have brought to light more than other people. And so what we did right. was we took people's theology and who they were voting for and their race and lined them up. Okay. And this, the, I found this one really fascinating. So do you believe the Bible is without error was the question, right? So the most conservative group of voters theologically and racially are black Trump voters. 84% of them said the Bible's without error. 
The next one is very close. It's white Trump voters. 82% of white Trump voters said the Bible is without error. And then Hispanic Trump voters, 72% of them said the Bible's without error. So you, you have black, white, Hispanic. Then when you go to Biden voters, the most conservative group of Biden voters theologically are black Biden voters. 63% of black Biden voters say the scriptures without error. Only 48% of Hispanics and then 30% of white Biden voters, 30%. And so we're looking at this gap between whites in their voting patterns and theology compared to blacks was, I think, really fascinating because the point is 82% to 63% isn't actually that far off, if it makes sense, right? Meaning black church attenders generally have conservative theology, and you actually see that they're not way apart from each other in this situation. And then you look at the white church attenders, and it is like Trump versus Biden is, it's almost two different churches, to be completely honest. And I find that interesting when it comes to Mark Dever, Tim Keller, John Piper, a lot of these different theologians and former pastors or current pastors that they preach predominantly to white congregations, right? And so you see that clearly within those congregations, there's a probably a pretty big divide that you could see within people's race and their politics. Yeah, that is an interesting. And that, I'm sure there's a lot more that could be said about analyzing that data. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling you before we started recording, I just literally minutes before we started got word that uh, confirmed word that Mark Dever, Tim Keller are both registered Democrats. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about some of the other big evangelical leaders, but I think a lot of people are wondering in 2020 with everything that's happened with COVID and the church shut down with um, Black Lives Matter protests, et cetera, whether or not some of the voices that they've been listening to for years are actually Democrats uh, or politically to the left, but they've been hearing, you know, Bible teaching, so forth and so on from them. Why do you think 2020 uh, is, it, 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 or, or the past four years, we'll say, why do you think that all of a sudden it, it, masks are coming off or, or we're hearing this kind of logic, this kind of, hey, it's okay to, to vote for the Democrats um, you know, and, and be a, an Orthodox Christian? We didn't really hear that a lot. I don't remember that mm-hmm. during the Bush elections. I don't remember mm-hmm. that even when McCain and Romney were running as much, but I am hearing it now and i'm hearing it a yeah. lot what what makes sense of this in your mind it's a really hard thing to understand uh, first and foremost uh, i say this in the article that published this poll on texas scorecard uh, you can go to texasscorecard.com and and all of the polling is there and a big write up on it is made we're going to actually release the full poll by the way later this afternoon this is monday and and then we'll probably write a couple other articles on some other tidbits that we pull out of this poll cuz these type of research projects bring a ton to light, right? So it's going to be really fun dissecting it and looking at the cross tabs and being able to pull even more information as we go throughout the week. Um, in that, I just, I always want to clarify, clearly the data shows that there are some Democrats or Biden voters who are Christians according to their theology, right? I mean, uh, we can't judge one person or the other person or any others, but there, it is very, it is very possible to be a Democrat and say that hell's a thing and you need salvation in Jesus Christ and uh, scriptures without error and abortion should not be legal, right? And and actually it shows that about one in five Biden voters believe that, 
I mean, and that's an interesting reality in church. Now, what I'm, what I've seen church within attending, lot, church attending, church attenders, Biden. that's okay. right. Church attending. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I should have <laughs> clarified that one. Yeah. So church attending Biden voters, right? The most conservative group of Biden voters we'd assume exists are the ones in church. So yeah. one in five of them is, uh, you know, orthodox in their Christian beliefs and, and says abortion should not be legal. Okay. We can deal with that group of people. What I think Platt and Keller and these other people have taken is they've acted as though that's they've taken that one in five and made it look like the five and five, right? If just because somebody's voting for Biden doesn't mean they don't hold these things. Well, that's true, but it's only 20% of them that actually hold this position. In David Platt's book, you remember where he talks about this pro-life guy in Virginia that he knows that's going to vote for Biden, but he believes that more children will be saved in Virginia as a result. And so when he describes this, I go, I'm not denying that that guy exists. I'm telling you he's the exception to the rule. And it's naive to act like there's not a bigger problem here. So why is it happening? Probably because Donald Trump is a more overtly arrogant person. And, you know, Piper talks about this in his write-up. There were a lot of things that that Piper said um, that one could agree with, right? When it comes to, and I think Al Mohler said this in his podcast last Tuesday, when it came to, you know, I'd, I'd probably rather have Joe Biden as my neighbor, but I'm pretty sure I'd rather have President Trump. In fact, I know that I'd rather have President Trump as my president. And I think the reality is that uh, pastors were having a harder time dealing with an overtly arrogant person. They had an easier time voting for Mitt Romney, a Mormon who, uh, you know, honestly looked the part and seemed much more humble from the outside. John McCain, George W. Bush, these people, even if they didn't really do that much for the values that we hold as a church, I think George W. Bush largely just, you know, spoke to the church, didn't act for the church. And we gave him a lot of power over the evangelical vote because of the way he talked. And so that set up a a precedent that said, if you don't talk like this, we've got to push back to that. Yeah. So I've heard someone call this the virtue tradition, uh, Mm -hmm. which is this idea that there's, there's a decorum, there's a Mm -hmm. modicum of decency the president has to have and it's internal virtue. So it's more of a pietist kind of way of looking at this, Mm -hmm. which, you know, Piper is a pietist. That makes sense. He's looking at it saying, all right, you know, that, that means a lot to me to have someone who looks the part and, you know, seems respectful. And Trump is a, you know, bull in a China closet and, um, populists like that because they don't, you know, they think that, you know, you need to sock it to the media and they're, they're the bad guys and that kind of thing. So that that would make sense of some of it in my mind. Yeah. And and Piper is a little bit of an exception to the rule in the idea that he's never been that gun ho for any presidential candidate. And I just think that's a little thing worth pointing out when he, he never endorsed Mitt Romney. He said something to the effect of, I'll keep it simple because I know our time is short, but he said something to the effect of if Christians all show up to vote, then they will largely swing the election. Therefore they should probably vote. And if they look at the two predominant candidates and think one of them is more likely to uphold the values than the other, even in a small way, then they should probably vote for that candidate. And that was essentially his endorsement of Mitt Romney, which is by no means a ringing rally cry, right? Yeah, to go vote yeah, for yeah. So Piper has always tried to, I think, stay a little out of politics. But going back to your point, you know, Trump's 
Well, he, he used the lesser of two evils argument with Bush in 2004. Yes, correct. So, exactly. So now th- that doesn't yes. apply anymore because Trump is arrogant. <laughs> yes, yes. But, so. but th- to your point, lesser of two evils included arrogance within the calculation, right? I mean, so that's the funny right, thing. Right. If I say this is the lesser of two evils, I've already recognized that both of these people are evil. Uh, one of the, the people that I really respect pastorally told me, um, you know, I would never want my sins described in the Greek as Piper did. And his whole point was, you know, if you took every one of George W. Bush's uh, flaws and described them in the Greek, it would be really bad. I mean, you would not, you would not walk away going, I'm going to vote for him over Gore, right? I mean, so I, I it just goes that, to yeah. how, how much do you want to describe him? But I think Piper's version is, well, he's the one who's really outspoken about his arrogance. Therefore, I'm going to be more severe in my description of it. I don't think that's necessarily helpful. Here's the bigger point that I've tried to make in in what we've done. This is not a rally cry for Donald Trump. And uh, I voted for Donald Trump. I have an explanation on my podcast that talks about voting for Donald Trump and why. It's probably similar to Mueller and other people's, uh, you know, kind of thought processes in that. And that's fine. But this is more about the fact that if, if our goal in church is to be unified, then what brings us together is unity in Christ. I mean, when Paul would write letters to the church and talk about the disunity that was happening, it was because Christ was not at the center of the church anymore. And the problem is many of these pastors have let Donald Trump distract them from what unifies the church. And instead, they're focused on making sure that all of us are okay with Biden voters in the pews. And I am fine with a Biden voter attending church and believing all the things that are going to lead them to eternal salvation. But you know what's probably naive is to assume that there's nothing wrong that in in no way indicates. That's the way I would say it. Is it a sin to vote for Joe Biden? Let's not even get there. Does it indicate that you are likely either rejecting fundamental orthodox views or questioning them? Yes, it's a your, major your indicator. Says that. So if or you and I does. are there with four people in our church, and if Mark Dever, Tim Keller, or David Platt are having a bunch of people in their church tell them they're going to do this, before worrying about changing their vote, why don't they focus on saying, let's teach strong biblical truth. Because guess what? You know what's more important is that this person fundamentally understands that rejecting Jesus Christ puts you in danger of going to hell. And the word isn't, the the question wasn't even asked in an absolute way, right? It didn't say are going to go to hell. It was like kind of ambiguous, could go to hell. And you have a large group of people and a ton of Biden voters that are just either rejecting or questioning that truth. Well, very interesting data. I'm glad you asked these questions. Where can people go to find uh, your information, your poll, or what you do? Uh, TexasScorecard.com is where they can go to find the write-up on the poll. They can find the data there. Like I said, we're going to probably publish a number of other articles that expose more information on that poll. And then we will, uh, you can go to LukeMacias.com to show the weekly podcast and show that I do. Um, And John, I'm going to, you know, just take this video and share it with our viewers as well because yeah. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. And um, and I'm really grateful for you bringing me on too because I think the more we talk about this as a church, then the more we can be united. One of my the points within this division and unity conversation is if unity is the body of Christ, unity actually doesn't include everybody who attends church. I know that gets into another conversation that I've been thinking through with this, but often whenever you hear these pastors talk about the need for unity, they're talking about everybody that's within the church walls, not everybody in the body of Christ. And what this shows is that there are probably, there are people voting for Donald Trump and Joe Biden in your church that are not members of the body of Christ. 
more of them are Biden voters. That's just the truth. But the reality is that unity is about the body of Christ. Unity is not about anybody willing to walk into four walls in church. Gotcha. Well, hey, I appreciate it, Luke. Very, very good points. Very good information. And uh, you can find those websites in the info section of this podcast. You want to go check out Luke's work. So God bless you, Luke. Hey, thanks, John. Bless you. All right. Yep. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Luke Messiah show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.